All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Monday, March 2nd, 2020, and the Red Wings are still a very bad hockey team. I'm here today with my co-host, the lovely Ethan Smith. Ethan, how you doing? Phenomenal. Happy Tuesday. Happy Monday. Uh, we'd like to thank you guys oh. for joining us. Oh. I am Detroit sports writer and longtime Red Wings fan, Nolan Bianchi. Here today with the Lockdown Network, the same way we do it every single day here. Your team every You're right. day. You're right. Could be Monday, could be Tuesday, could be Friday. That's, we do it the same here every day. That's Lockdown what, Podcast. That's right. Uh, so we do have some things to talk about in regards to the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, we skipped uh, kind of updating you guys uh, what was going on on Friday's episode. We did a little Red Wings Rewind with Sergio Colchester. If you haven't listened to that already, I would recommend going back and uh, giving it a listen. It was one of the more fun episodes that we've done here so far. We uh, we reviewed the night that Sergei Fedorov had five goals against the Washington Capitals. You know, just a good episode. Lots of jokes were cracked. I found out that Pablo Picasso didn't die till the 1900s. Uh, really just uh, lots of good fun. But now that that's over, we do have some, uh, let's call it less fun things to attend to. Um, we'll start with the first star since the first show of last week. Now, that's fun. That's, that, that is fun. That is fun. I'm excited to hear about this. Uh, <laughs> first star since the first show of last week is going to be Dylan Larkin. Uh, had a goal and an assist against Ottawa on Saturday and an assist in the game against uh, New Jersey. Neither of those games obviously swung in the Red Wings' direction, uh, but then on, on Thursday we had an all-time sad boy shot of him on the bench uh, in the midst of a 7-1 loss to the Minnesota Wild, in which point he was uh, keeled over, head down, looks like his teacher you know, put him in trouble for 5-10 to 10 minutes for uh, passing some notes to a honey in the class. Uh, he, looked, he looked just downright you know, depressed on the bench there, putting his head on the dasher. It was it was really sad. Head on the dasher, hands over the head, gloves still on. Both hands over the head. You think his eyes were closed and he was sighing, or do you think he was just had a thousand yard stare at his skates? Probably the thousand yard stare. I think that like at this point you have closed your eyes probably a little bit too often on the Red Wings. I, at least for me, I think I would get to the point where it almost just doesn't feel like reality anymore that this team is this bad. Uh, I think they're, I, I read a Helene St. James article today. They have to win one out of every three games remaining, uh, to win 20 games on the season. And that's just, I mean, that's, that's a disaster of epic proportions right there. I, I, I did a little, uh, calculations at work today. And if they win out all of their games and like the bottom five teams lose every single one of their games, we're still only going to be the 26th worst team in the NHL that still comes as a surprise to me honestly I thought like genuinely and it's almost doubling our output for the season yeah it's like thir- we, we get 30 points if we want out from here and we only have 35 36 yeah it's not a lot uh it's I think it's somewhere right in that ballpark but I mean I was looking at at things today because I was looking at where the Ottawa Senators stood and uh, I mean, we've talked about it before. There's no sense in rooting for losses. There's no, you know, there's no benefit to be had from another team losing. But I was just curious to see uh, how far back the Ottawa Senators were as the league's third worst team. And I want you to guess how many more points in the Detroit Red Wings the Ottawa Senators have. Um, I'll go with 16. Wrong. More? Way too low. God, tell me when I'm getting warmer. Uh, 18. 
If you're just going to go two by two, we're not going to do this. Uh, the Ottawa Senators are, are full 28 points, a.k.a. Oh God. 14 regulation wins uh, ahead of the oh Detroit Red Wings. It's baffling at this point. It really is baffling. And, and the you know, the thing is, is I, I mean, the, the expectations long drop to the floor for this team. But, like, you still do want to see them pick up wins because, like I just said, like, there's nothing. Like, I remember at the end of last season when, when you know, a lot of the fan base was upset because the, the Red Wings had kind of a strong finish and it lessened the chance that, you know, maybe a top three, top four, top five, whatever pick. And uh, it's it's so funny to me that, you know, that I think last year was considered a, a very bad season for the Detroit Red Wings, both, like, from an organizational standpoint and to just watch as a fan base uh, you know, they were kind of fun because we were starting to see some of the new names pop up, like Tyler Bertuzzi. He had a, a much bigger role at, at last season. But, um, you know, this year there's, like, just – they're so far gone it's not even funny. And I think you just want to squeeze every single positive thing out of this year that you can. And it's it's interesting to me. We've reached a point of no return. We've reached a point where beating the, or we're losing to the Ottawa Senators in, on – in February, I think that game was in February, technically. Maybe it was March 1st. I can't remember. Uh, but, you know, we're in a situation where losing to the third worst team in the NHL in February has no bearing on how the end of the season will shake out in terms of standings. Like, this team is just worse than the Craig, McT- Craig McTavish Oilers, like, worse than Patrick Waz Avalanche. And we made fun of those teams so bad. Yeah, I, I can't honestly wrap my head around, like, just, and, and it's not like this is a new, it's not like it's really a new low, because it's impossible for them to hit a new low, but it's just like, holy smokes, where do we go from here? And we'll touch on it a little bit on tomorrow's episode, but they have the strongest strength of schedule to close out the season. They don't have, they don't face a single team, starting on uh, tonight against Colorado, that's, you uh, not within at least six points of a playoff spot. So every team that they play from here on out is going to be uh, somebody that's stacked. Like I said, we'll go through it more in depth tomorrow. But, you know, the one thing that I, I think about when uh, I saw that tweet of, of Dylan Larkin kind of <laughs> resting up against the Dashers, and shout out to uh, Twitter user Lindy Lou 266 for being the one to post this, make it go viral, and add in this caption that I think is – a valid concern she says this is the only thing that worries me about this season i don't want it to break these boys i think these poor kids have just been done with this year since the you know december at least at least like and you know what like nobody knows truly what's going on or what the vibe is in the red wings locker room you can imagine that it's absolutely miserable but I think in terms of overall outlook, kind of where uh, the core players are feeling or how the core players are feeling about, you know, the, the organization that the di- the direction that the organization is heading in and whether this will all be worth it or, you know, whatever the concerns may be. I think that's the thing to me that's circling in my mind, because those are things that can affect development. Those are things that can, you know, affect uh, being motivated to get up and go work out in the summer. And I'm not, you know, these guys are world-class athletes, but at the same time, uh, 
they're getting paid millions of dollars to do this. They are getting paid millions of dollars to do this. You're not wrong, but I, I think Nolan, back Nolan, to... Nolan, you're telling me they they haven't had this Cabo end of the regular season trip planned since, what, November? Like, these, this team was never a playoff team. These guys are just like, yeah, let's just get through these next. For, I mean, for all we know, Dylan Larkin could have could have been daydreaming about being on a beach. For sure, but in yeah, I just want I so I recently listened to uh, an episode of the Spit and Chicklets podcast with uh, Nathan McKinnon from over the summer, and he kind of talked about how he came out had a really good rookie campaign. They made the playoffs, and then from there things started to kind of tail off for the organization and for him personally. And, uh, you know, the next three seasons after his rookie year, he put up less than 40 points. One of those years, the Avalanche figured or finished with just 22 wins. I think they were the first sub-300 team since the, uh, since the lockout. And uh, he talked a little bit on the podcast about kind of how that affected his confidence. He said it kind of made him believe that maybe I'll, all I'll ever be in this league is, uh, you know, a second or third line center, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, his quote was, it's like, what's wrong with me? You kind of judge yourself off how you're playing hockey sometimes. It's a dangerous thing to get into. If you have a bad year, you think poorly of yourself as a human. And that can happen to a lot of athletes, I think. It's not right. It shouldn't be like that, but it was. And so I just wonder how much of that is going on inside the Red Wings locker room right now and, and kind of just what the long-term implications of what they're enduring and are about to endure might be. First round pick Alexei Lafreniere is going to come in. And he's going to put up 60 points. And these Red Wings are going to be rolling, baby. We're going to get Tory Krug in the offseason, and it's going to be fine. Right? Right? You're supposed to be a level-headed voice on this show. I mean, how can... <laughs> what? Eternal optimism, Nolan. I'm, I'm rolling in this stuff. We're going. This is... the. This isn't gonna. This is the first down season. There's, there's literally no way you can have a team that's gonna win 18 games next year. That's not going to happen. It's impossible. That's not true. There has to be. There, you, you can, you can get a top four defenseman, and it'll still only get us to 25 games, which is still gonna be a bottom five pick in the league, which is probably what we're gonna be. But we're not gonna be a sub 20 win team next year. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible, dude. There's never been a team that's this bad in the last 20 years in the NHL besides an expansion team like Columbus or get, like you guys know what I mean. Like it this team is just so bad right now that it's it is in my mind impossible <laughs> for a team to be this bad next year. And you're probably right. You're you can't tell me that Illich is going to be like, "Hey, hey man, par for the course, you know, you no, but like it's like, got nothing it to do can't. with you know Chris Illich. I, I don't think he cares about. I think I think when you turn over the keys to Steve Eiserman, that your voice goes. You, you have no bearing. But you he, you brought Steve Eiserman in with the understanding that hey Stevie, I'm giving you the keys. I don't know if there's anything that Chris Illich can do. And I think you know like we've always said like I think that the Iser plan or whatever you want to call it is for all intents and purposes going according to plan. And I think a lot of people would argue that a season where they bottomed out like this is entirely necessary because they have had years or seasons in years past where they've been a very bad team but haven't bottomed out and it's landed them, you know, picks number six, seven, and nine. Well, yeah, it was all about those overtime wins and losses. 
Right. But, but what I'm ta- what I'm thinking bigger pic- bigger picture wise is that you you don't know what two seasons back to back like the one we're going through right now is going to do to the fans is going to do to the interest in the team. If you're going to put a we've been in the playoffs for 25 straight years. Mm-hmm. We're used to success. Yeah. And we understand that this is part of the plan, but for a team to go through this as bad as we are where we're not even competitive. We just lost 7 to 1 in Minnesota and they were going to tr- they were trying to trade Dumba at the deadline. And yeah. Brodeen at the deadline. And then Dumba comes out as two They were goals, trying to trade Zach Parise. <laughs> trying to trade a guy that was born there. And they're just like, hey, it's it. And they go out there and kill us. You can't tell me that, like, this team cannot be this bad next year. They can't be. They have to be more, much more competitive to where it's at least going to draw some interest in, in people. Because right now, I am hard-pressed to find a Red Wings fan that what, that cares and you understand not, the season's a loss. It's been a loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're you're 100 percent right. I do. I like. I'm with you. If I was a betting man, I would put my entire life savings on them, like and coming out next year with a better record than over they have 15 this year. wins. On over 15 wins, I would put my entire life savings on that. Thank right. You. Now. I was just about to say that. Uh, <laughs> I know, bold statement. But I mean, like, I guess it's it's more for me, not necessarily how they come out next year in terms of like the overall team wins and losses. Uh, to me, it's you know making sure you don't that those guys don't lose hope. And listen, I think that uh, I, I mean I I had a revelation when I saw that picture. Maybe this is not an original thought or anything like that, but uh, you know we kind of have talked about how yes, Dylan Larkin is like obviously, obviously the next captain of the Detroit Red Wings. And I think if you're somebody who's looking for maybe an explanation as to why he's not already, uh, I I think it can be. So, in Steve Eiserman's third year in Detroit, that was like that was the peak Dead Wings. Uh, that was when they that was when they completely bottomed out, like you're seeing now with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Steve Eiserman wasn't the captain yet. I wonder if he's taking kind of that experience. Maybe maybe he just wanted a full season in the organization before making this decision. I don't know, but I, I get the sense that maybe he was protecting Dylan Larkin from being the face of this brutal catastrophe. Wow. Hey, don't sell yourself short. That was pretty good. Thanks. I do have good ideas. Yeah, I mean, he is obviously the face of the franchise. He's the most well-known Red Wing. I mean, he's from here. I mean, you could you every sign points to him being the captain of this team. Yeah. And it makes complete sense. I mean, you, you, it, we all knew going into this year that it was going to be bad, but it just didn't, you know, nobody thought it was going to be like this. But maybe Steve did. Maybe I, Steve did. I believe in Steve. Yeah, and I think that uh, Steve Eisman, uh, without a doubt, is not against bottoming out. Uh, I'm sure that you know this was probably, in a way, part of the plan. And if you know that, then I, I don't think it makes sense to pick a guy who you want to be your leader, uh, you know, who you want to be the face of your franchise, to kind of pigeonhole him as the shoulder bearer of all the responsibility uh, that's going to come towards this team. I mean, you kind of see it right now. Like, there's nobody to blame, so just blame Jeff Blaschel. And yep. uh, I, there's reason to believe. And maybe that, you know, the, the Red Wings fan, they wouldn't, you know, make Dylan Larkin feel the vitriol of, of taking the brunt of the blame for any of this. Uh, but I do think maybe nationally or, or just whatever it may be, it just doesn't 
makes sense to put a young guy who you're pinning the hopes of your franchise on through this type of uh, exposure as the kind of leader of a team who's been this bad. I think that would be a tremendous hit to his confidence, uh, regardless of whether or not he would feel the blame in that scenario as the captain. I think that uh, just in terms of like, don't put your guy through that in the media, you know? Yeah, yeah. But you know what you do want to put in the media, Ethan? What's that? Is the name of your local business. Now, if you've been a listener of this podcast, and I'm sure you've heard of all the great advertisers working with Lockdown to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Lockdown Red Wings is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Red Wings fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Lockdown gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Red Wings fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated, with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast, because local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and just let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Lockdown Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. And we look forward to hearing from you. Last bit of business we got to get to today. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the 4-3 shootout loss to the Ottawa Senators uh, on Saturday night if for no other reason than the fact that it was probably the last winnable game on their schedule. Uh, just a just a classic heartbreaker for the Red Wings. They lead 2-0 halfway through the second period, winning the shots battle, uh, and then everything kind of falls apart. You know, Ottawa ties it up, ends up taking a lead, actually, but Detroit manages to make it 3-3, send it to overtime. Uh, you know, nobody scores, and then they lose in a shootout. So We did get a one point out of it, We though. did get a point out so of it. So that's cool. And, you know, it feels good. It feels like we're back to the Red Wings of old, uh, the, the latter years of Ken Holland's tenure, where that was the mantra. You know, at least we got a point. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's too bad we don't have Jimmy Howard to hold us in there until the uh, shootout. And then, you know, fall apart. But, I mean, you got to get your points somehow. And, you know, I'm just happy we got a point out of the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that that would have been, uh, after following the 7-1 loss uh, to Minnesota, would would have been kind of a pick-me-up for Red Wings uh, and their fans, especially heading into this gauntlet of a final stretch. Uh, but, you know, they, they couldn't get it done. Sam Gagner scored his first goal. <laughs> this is true. And... Uh, Franz Nielsen scored too, so his fourth of the year. That's making uh, making that signing look better and better every Didn't day. Didn't Adam Ernie get an assist on that? Adam Ernie did get an assist what, on no, that. What assist was that for him? Uh, third assist of the year, and uh, he actually got hurt <laughs> suffering a hand injury uh, later in that game. Looks like he will uh, be shut down possibly for the rest of the season. There's no timeline on his return yet. Uh, that That's information a big hole, coming big from hole to fill. It is a big hole to fill. Shoot. But uh, it could open things up a bit for Dimitro Tomishov, so that'll be good. Uh, he, of course, uh, was dealing with some visa issues, couldn't get here for the Wild game or the Devils game, but you don't need a visa to play in Canada. So uh, that ended up working out, and uh, maybe that'll open, open up some time for him kind of coming down the stretch. I know the Red Wings definitely want to see what they want in him. I think they, you know, we're very, very fortunate to get him, and uh, it'd be nice to to see him put up some points down the stretch. I think that's something that you could probably file under you know pleasant surprises for the rest of the year. Well, it would be nice to see him play with somebody other than Luke Glendening and Darren Helm. Even though Darren Helm is arguably the MVP of this year, that aside, it would be <laughs> nice to see a scorer 
that's coming into our lineup for the first time get top six minutes. It would be nice to see once. And that's just that's my one thing I don't get about this team is how are we not just plugging and playing these new guys and giving them a shot? Like, why, why didn't Perlini come in here and get a top six role for a week and a half? This, we all knew this season was going to be like this. Why are we not giving these new dudes a chance? Why did Perlini get third, fourth line minutes and hasn't been able to get out of that? Besides Fabry. Well, I mean, you know, Perlini, uh, by and large, I, th- I think the thing with Brendan Perlini is when that your production is that low, and it wasn't for a lack of trying, because he just scored his first goal of the season like a couple weeks ago. I think it was the game against Boston. Uh, but, I mean, when your production is that low, I don't really know that you deserve a chance to go up onto that that. F- first or second line for no matter how long it may be i don't know it's it's weird uh i don't like everything is a lost cause we keep coming back to this so like why not just get wild and crazy with it throw all the cards up in the air and see where they fall yeah like uh, we said before just say you won yeah just start putting wins on the, on the... <laughs> oh this okay this is what i wanted to talk about before this podcast ends is how irate i'm going to be if the Ottawa Senators get the first and second overall pick, I'm going to be irate. Yeah, I think, you know, if you do want to talk about, hey, rooting for wins and losses, you definitely don't want the Ottawa Senators to keep losing. You want to see as many Senators wins as you can for the rest of the year. I guess that's like probably your only rooting interest, given the fact that they are in the Red Wings division and that, you know, they're they're in the same stages of a rebuild. So if they're able to pick up the first and third or, you know, wherever it may be, and they end up with uh, Lafreniere and Byfield or Lafreniere and Stutzel or really any combination of one through top or two top five picks, that spells bad news, not only for the fact that Detroit didn't get them, but also... Uh, because of the fact that those are guys you're going to be seeing four times a year for years to come, and and you know potentially in the playoffs if everything goes right, but the, like the I, Senators are a little more defunct in the Red Wings. So, like I said, I'm just happy we we don't play Vancouver four times a year because I would I don't want to see Quinn Hughes that much. But if we get to see Lafreniere and Byfield start counting it on Ottawa, don't you think that would hurt worse? Don't you think that would hurt it's worse gonna, gonna hurt to soul. see Lafreniere uh, in here twice in your building twice a year playing for somebody else? It's going to hurt my it's going to hurt my soul and my heart to see Lafreniere in an Ottawa jersey period. Just to see any of these prospects in an Ottawa jersey. I don't like their owner. Eugene yeah. Melnick isn't a good guy. Yeah, he's the worst and I, I mean I don't know if there's a more tortured fan base in the NHL and the Ottawa Senators, I still can't believe that they were one game away from reaching the Stanley Cup Finals like three years ago, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you know what we should do? We should get the Locked On Senators podcast to come on, and then we could just talk crap about them, because nobody likes Eugene Melnick. This is true. Actually, I'll set that up today. That'd be fun. Uh, last bit of information. Uh, to get to is that Andreas Athanasiu and Mike Green were both injured over the weekend playing for the Edmonton Oilers. Remember, they were just dealt on Monday uh, at that trade deadline. Andreas Athanasiu is a little bit less severe. Uh, he'll, he should be back relatively quickly if he's not uh, back at practice, ready to go in the Steiner lineup, starting lineup already. Uh, but Mike Green, it's it's going to be a bit of a tougher road back. He's got a sprained MCL. And while you know you don't like to necessarily think about these types of things, uh, when an injury like that happens, you just kind of feel for Mike Green, never won a cup, uh, played on a ton of good Washington teams. Uh, this may be one of his last years to kind of give her a go. And uh, 
But I think the thing on most Red Wings fans' minds is the fact that he now won't play half the games for Edmonton for the rest of the season. So the fourth-round pick that was a conditional third if he plays over half the games for the Oilers for the remainder of the season is uh, pretty much squat now. So Yeah, I mean, that's how it goes. That's the way she goes sometimes. And, and you definitely uh, want to think about his injury first. We do wish, wish you well soon, Mike. Uh, yeah, I think that's all we got for today's show. I don't, uh, I don't anticipate us recapping the Avalanche game on tomorrow's show. We are going to talk, like I said, a little bit about the remaining strength of schedule because there's some pretty incredible things to note about that and then uh, give you a Grand Rapids update. Things have not been going well uh, up at Van Andel or really anywhere that they've been playing lately. They've lost four in a row. So we'll be back to talk a little bit about that tomorrow. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already and follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Red Wings. You can find me on Twitter at Noel Bianchi and my co-host Ethan Smith at Ethan Smith. Uh, We'll see you guys tomorrow and hope you have a good one.